Welcome to the Triple Confirmed Podcast, where we discuss Bitcoin price talk, trading ideas, and much, much more. I am your host, The Baked Potato, a six-year crypto analyst and crypto YouTuber. Today's date is March 6th. This is episode 168. Hopefully, you guys are having a wonderful Monday so far. Lots to talk about in the charts today. We've had some developments over the weekend and some interesting things coming out today in the news. Uh, I am joined by Pio today. Welcome him, guys. We'll dive a little deeper into what I mean by that in just a bit. Some very interesting stuff to come. So, as always, starting off with our macro time frames, taking a look at the weekly here on Bitcoin and ETH. As we did have close yesterday, the, the thing that we were talking about in Friday's session has happened. We are starting to see the money flow rejecting off the zero line, potentially a red dot forming as far as this week goes, and everything else continuing to turn over at this point. This is, you know, potentially the worst possible thing we could have seen here for the higher hopes of long-term bullishness. There's still a way to pull ourselves out of this. We really haven't seen a ton of sell volume coming in to back up this type of idea that everything is trying to full-on reject here and completely turn down, but it is in the cards at the moment. Um, the thing we talked about last week was potentially getting this red dot on this week's close and then closing a green dot soon after, turning our money flow back up into the air. Essentially, we have probably two to three weeks before this thing is actually confirmed, and we're for sure going to take a much larger deep down into the supports again if that happens. So as of right now, macros, like I said, looking terrible. Midterm macros, daily, three-day, continuing to turn down as well. We're not looking we're not looking fantastic here, my friends, unfortunately. There's still some good support below us, but I feel like we're definitely going back into those zones to get retested and just to make sure that we still have support at these levels. Pretty much daily, again, you know, just uh, continuation for the next possible couple days is very likely. We have potentially converged already. We could potentially come back up in the shorter term timeframes, such as our one hour, four hour for some retest of around 23,000. I think we talked about this potentially over Friday as well. We haven't seen that play out yet. We've just obviously gone sideways, consolidated all weekend. Um, the fact that we haven't seen that yet potentially means that we could just flag and get the next leg down into the 21,500, 21,200 region. Um, as far as ETH goes, if that were to flag in the short terms, we're probably looking at about 1,490 to 1,500. So pushing back into the local lows, um, potentially breaking through the rising support that we have in the medium term as it is riding on it right now. Yeah, there's definitely some potential for support in this region in the shorter term. I just don't know how that if that would be able to turn us around in the midterm. As of as it stands right now, everything money flow in the midterms are still turning down, telling us that we have more more than likely have another, you know, at least week or two of downside here overall. If we see maybe, you know, a four to eight hour type of deal where we come back up, we retest, we get rejected again. Best thing, course of action, more than likely is to add to the short position and continue to let this thing play out. We're still playing off of a daily bearish divergence here. You can see it across all 
three of our indicators very clearly. We don't have a converging wave for the daily though. We have four hour converging wave stuff. We have medium term six hour type of converging wave, right? But we really don't have something really straight out for the daily. So I do think that coming back up into 23 is going to happen even if we take this shorter step down quickly, um, testing into 21, 21,500. If we test it, we find we hold support, we'll probably take a couple days and come back up to retest into this level, rejecting and finishing off the head and shoulders to then push us into potentially 20 or 19. Yeah, so that's the overall of Bitcoin and ETH. For now, again, it's, just, it's looking more like continuation uh, down from here, but if we can hold market structure of our shorter term timeframes here, like hourly, sitting around 22,200, we don't have a lot of room below us, but if this holds the structure, then definitely looking back into this zone is very possible. As far as Dixie and US 10-year goes, we have started to see the rejection exactly where we wanted to see it. On both of these charts, we have a little bit of bearish divergence stuff going on here. The fact that it's bouncing off the 618 daily on the US 10, the 382 on the Dixie on the daily. You know, these are some good signs for us going forward. Definitely, but they, we have to see continuation uh, and follow through with that. We still got very, very positive, heavy money flow into the green. So overall, again, starting to show shift and signs of turning around, but nothing's confirmed as of yet. Um, as far as that plays into the S&P, potentially looking for a higher low, bounce off the 382 at around 4,025, 4,030. Uh, if we can get continuation here, the medium term actually looks pretty pretty good, honestly, other than the market structure. If we can get ourselves above 41.50, we should see a really good run up into 4280, 4300, um, potential continuation back into these medium term highs. For now, it is, again, it's starting to look a little bit more bullish here, and potentially Bitcoin is just lagging behind where we haven't seen that higher low really potentially finish off yet um, but that's you know at this point high hopes I think I think um, things are starting to look more and more bearish as things kind of unravel um, a lot of stuff going on in the back end of things just economics in general housing market uh, issues coming in right now actually I think it's a good time uh, Pio if you want to jump in here um, I think the podcast people would love to hear a little bit more about what you were saying before uh, we got this thing started with just how the overall economics of, of things are starting to go. Thanks, Guido. And um, yeah, it was just very interesting to riff off Jonas earlier on because, you know, kind of continuing on from comments last week, I know I've been probably painfully um, shouting and screaming about commercial real estate. And it's just an area that I have been involved in actually measuring utilization and inform tenants so they can negotiate against landlords. And that bubble is certainly popping because the divergence between utilization and, you know, what tenants paid for is it's almost 10x, you know. Um some cities you're saying like, look guys, yeah, I'm gonna lease this, you know, hundred and you know, I might do hundred square feet per employee and you know i've worked for companies where we come in and plug into networking data and stuff like that and tell them actually no bros like you, you plan to do that 
you thought you were doing 300, well, it's actually two and a half thousand because people come into the office for an hour or two. Now, leases are rolling over and tenants are using that to negotiate with landlords and effectively pricing it this way. And I think um, I'll post an article in economics. I don't think I got to that yet, but um, there are several very large <clears throat> funds which a lot of pensions are invested in, like Blackstone, BlackRock, Brownless, or something or whatever. Um, and they're all defaulting on a lot of the loans they took out to buy these commercial properties to lease them to especially the tech giants, um, who are now you know, being a lot meaner um, and smarter about how much money they decide to pay for offices that aren't being used. Um, so that shoe is certainly dropping. Um, I'm starting to see more people than just myself, like, and I go, guys, 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 um, it's a massive risk. You know, the knock-on effect for what else it could put under pressure and then introduce forced selling in unrelated markets is looking to start to become quite apparent, um, especially when you look at how pension funds work. And um, there's a specific example in Sweden where, you know, pension funds are, they're going to be in equities, they're going to be in bonds, and they'll have an allocation in the middle that was typically commercial real estate because it was a low risk, not massive return like equities, but better than bonds. And, and that's going to be, you know, a 20% allocation that's going to be written down by around 80%. So that could introduce funds then having to liquidate other assets and, you know, bad things happen because things break. Um, and I think it's just a sign of what happens at the end of economic cycles. And you know, I think other people, especially Flywater, could probably articulate what's happening in housing to a more relatable audience in the community, i.e. the US market rather than the Irish market. But I think just how stupid things got and then <laughs> 10x since, um, the co- since 2020, I, I think you know, the fact that it's it doesn't make sense is going to start making sense. And it's usually a good indicator of, you know, the end of a cycle um, or selling, deleveraging, going to break a lot of stuff. So sorry, just just no, it's OK. Just to reiterate what you were saying, I think, in a simpler term. So essentially, the, the companies that are defaulting were third party buyers. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that were basically looking, you know, they bought property in order to lease it to larger companies. And those larger companies are obviously not using the office space. So these companies are now in turn uh, defaulting. That's a much more succinct and understandable way of putting it. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, just simplification, simplification. But for sure. So like, you know, you, if you relate the model to residential, what... BlackRock will do is they'll come in, they'll buy a property, and they'll develop it or buy it from um, construction companies. And they have been doing this at like 0% interest rates, guys, you know? And, and like, look, it's a similar phenomenon to like a lot of startups, which have been like, like Uber and Just Eat, like these companies make no money. They only exist because of low interest rates. They cannot exist with higher interest rates. Um, so things are breaking because a refinancing happens. So like, let's say Google or Amazon are like, okay, or blah, 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 Atlanta office, you know, the lease is up on that next year. We're going in the next, we look at the data. Oh, shite. We're using 15% of it. Pell, Blackstone, BlackRock or CBRE or JLL. 
hey guys, can we pay like a hundred bucks per square meter instead of just like eight or nine hundred bucks? Because that's all it's worth. And the knock-on effect then to BlackRock who bought that, they borrowed that money off somebody. They can't bring the money in from the rent to cover, let alone actually what they borrowed from it, but it's the interest rates. You know, they borrowed it at zero and going up to whatever it is now, six or seven is. It's kind of like doubling their mortgage, if you want to relate it that way. Interesting. And so what Jonas was saying um, before the show started was that essentially this, we've seen this as a sign of like, we're, we're near the end of the, you know, uh, like how bad things are going to get. Do you think that's true or uh, like how long, you know, is this, is this going to uh, basically, you know, affect us going into the future? Like obviously for the people who don't have a house, is this, you know, super interesting. Yeah, I understand. Um, I think we're entering, I think it's easier to call it a phase because like it could, this could, this could literally last four quarters, you know, until the market starts becoming efficient. And that's the way I see it, you know, like you're just going to see assets pass from weak hands into stronger hands. Um, and maybe that's relatable to Bitcoin and crypto. I think we're entering that phase now, you know, like we're entering a phase where people who can't, and this is true as well in residential markets. You're seeing it in housing markets in Australia, the UK, you know, the US is less of a factor because the mortgages there are like 30 year term mortgages. They don't exist anywhere else in the world. You know, if you borrowed at 2% interest rates on a 30 year fixed term in the US, like you are, you bought Bitcoin at 100 bucks, guys. <laughs> but everywhere else, and what's happening in, in the UK and Australia, especially, uh, and in Ireland, will happen too, is that like, Fixed rate mortgages last three or four years, three to five years. Yeah, and the rest are variable and or obviously your fixed rate has to be changed, you know, updated. We're all ripening now, you know, and I think we're entering that phase where similarly commercial property is to the reckoning. We're entering the reckoning phase. And once the reckoning is over, you know, then <laughs> the reckoning has happened, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And like two ways to look at that. That's a good way of looking at like when bull market, you know, when as Jonas would say, and there's blood on the floor, like, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably okay. We turn that corner. In terms of renters and young people, it, it, a lot of it actually has to do with what we're seeing with commercial real estate dropping. They're, they're voting with their feet. They're, they're moving places that, you know, they can come to a reasonable accommodation with their employers that's reasonable for both parties. And I think that trend is, is super underestimated now. And I think, Places that have stupidly high rent and young people can't see a way forward, they're gonna, they're they're gonna have the reckoning. It's gonna take a little bit longer, but when they have the reckoning, I don't think there's any coming back because I think other countries, other cities, other regions are gonna compete for young people, um, with competitive, you know, property markets. Right. Like in my view, even in Western countries, you know, we're talking, yeah, definitely Europe, probably Canada as well, Australia, it, the demographics are kind of turning around in the middle of this century and we're on 2023 so we're pretty close to the middle and i think as the silent generation you know completely leave the stage and that's people who are maybe remember world war ii and the boomers start entering their late 70s i think you know demographics going to start show its hands and i think that's when you're going to see you know real estate values you know, probably reflect true demand mm. no very interesting uh 
interesting points. Yeah, and look, I, I say these because of my lived experience. You know, I work with data in the real estate industry, you know, like and kind of taking advantage of that of that that big trend. And I think just just it'd be interesting to hear from the community this what they see um and what they feel as well in their gut because like, you know, like Pavel, Pavel's an old guy like me, you know. He's been a few, around a few recessions. He could probably understand what Jones is saying earlier about <laughs> housing crisis has to crash and then like things start to, you know, the dead wood gets washed out and that's when they're, it's kind of springtime, you know, it's kind of end of winter, around this time of year, really, February, March. It's kind of like, oh, terry. It's the worst. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But winter doesn't follow winter. Yeah, so we'll have to, I think we just need to proceed, you know, uh, carefully. Essentially, like that, like nothing's full on broken as of right now, and I think that's the big thing we need to highlight here. Like the system hasn't gone belly up yet, right? The S and P is still alive. The U.S. dollar is not shooting through the the roof, and the and the and the interest rates not absolutely going gung ho either. So until we start to see these things, you know, start to move in a more exponential type of fashion. The overall of everything is still, you know, continues to, to kick on. So don't, you know, we don't want to discourage you guys of, of, for anything. You know, just be aware that these things are happening. As far as it relates to cryptocurrencies, hopefully people realize the, the value in the cryptocurrencies where, you know, like these things, in a, you know, in a lot of way, really only take these massive crashes because everyone loses hope and like you know goes to sell everything and anything and it's like well it's, you know to find the store of value there has to be something in the world that that holds value i'm definitely a believer that cryptocurrency can be that thing can absolutely do it it's a it's it's you know everything about it the fact that i can send it to someone in the middle of whatever country at any time without any you know middle man telling me what and how and how much and what everything in between it's just i don't know the, i think the normie still hasn't picked up that this is the way forward you know i i don't have to travel across the world with my my uh my lumps of gold anymore to have true value of, of currency but whatever i'm getting off on a tangent here um, the, <laughs> the big things I want you guys to pay attention to, um, if you're trading this price action right now, is that, again, in the medium term, we have seen a lower high. We have not seen a lower low. We, in, the, in the short term, we've seen lower high, lower low. In the medium term, we have not seen a lower low yet. We technically have a lower high. We still need a lower low, meaning we need a close below, let's say, the average 21,500. Once we get closing candles of four hour, six hour, or better, below twenty one five hundred, we're more than likely going to take that step down in towards twenty, retesting into that support. We're more than likely going to see bounce the first time, um, and depending on that bounce, you know, if it's a ten percent bounce, we head up back towards twenty two. We reject again. We're probably going to take that step through twenty and back into potentially nineteen eighteen five hundred. We've got a we've got a bunch of levels in between here. If that over the next week or two is enough sell pressure to kind of work out uh, this downside pressure in the macro, 
and we can hold everything up for a higher low in that fashion, we can still turn this thing right back up. We still have bullish divergences that, you know, haven't been invalidated. They can still very well easily potentially play out. Um, but for now, I think we have to look at this like a clear rejection off of 25 and getting anywhere up towards 25 right now. As long as the midterms turn down and as long as the macro continues to turn down, we need to look at that as a reshorting opportunity, you know, and we'll look at for we'll look for buys more than likely under 20K, hopefully in our nice support zone here and we don't go for another lower low. But again, to be to be seen, to be heard. If this rejection is real, you know, we have to know that we've opened up the, the doors of possibility of taking a new low, potentially a second bearish diver bullish divergence, rather, sorry, on the weekly of Bitcoin, meaning we could take a step into 13, 12, 10. There's a lot of support in here, but, you know, where's the line? Again, for now, not confirmed. We still have probably two weeks before this thing uh, shows its teeth or not. Do you guys have any questions, any concerns, anything interesting you'd like to add? I know, Jay, you're working, but it's nice to have you here, brother. I would love to know what you're thinking, but alas, I cannot ask you. Uh, I want to give you guys a little bit of hopium, too, here, potentially. As it stands right now, we are in a broadening, rising wedge. This type of pattern typically tends to more than usually break to the downside, but there is still about a 40% chance that if we continue holding the support, which is pretty much 22, 21, 500, you know, again, this level, if we don't push towards 20 and we hold, and we don't just form a lower high towards 23,800 again, or 23,500, there's a good chance that potentially if we form a new higher high, we find support along the previous resistance, we could potentially turn this thing into a much more bullish case scenario. The pattern is still there and the possibility is still there. But again, this, these things tend to usually break down. See more so again, a head and shoulders, uh, divergence, convergence, take that step in to that lower level of support and then retest and try again. And go from there. All right, my friends. I think with all that being said, as always, make sure you guys check out TripleConfirmation.com. Got some really, really exciting news coming out this month. Uh, if you guys are around uh, and you don't know about it yet, the Triple Confirmation Discord is hosting an event on March 16th. Basically, an ecosystem update and whatnot, and everything that we're working on. We've got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, information about pre-sale that you guys probably don't want to miss. It's going to be awesome. Very exciting things to come. From that. All right. Tell your friends, tell your family, tripleconfirmation.com. We love you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. And make sure you guys enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be in touch. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye bye.